The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Anthony Fantasia, Chief Information Officer for the Executive Office of Labor and Workforce Development in my old stomping grounds, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Welcome to Ask the CIO SLED Edition, our state and local program, Tony. Great to have you on the air. Thank you. Welcome to be here. Uh, first, tell us a little bit about your organization, your role as CIO, and a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, as Executive Office of Labor, we manage six different agencies here for the Commonwealth, from Department of Unemployment, Department of Career Services, the Job Seekers, um, Department of Industrial Accidents, uh, Workman's Comp Files, and two other um, agencies, uh, Department of Labor Standards and Labor Regs. All Anything associated with the labor and working workforce in Massachusetts falls under the Secretariat. I've been CAO now for about a year and a half, two years. Prior to joining that, contracting in the Commonwealth for a few years. Um, and prior to that, uh, 25 plus years uh, in financial services for various organizations. Okay. Interesting. You know, you probably didn't realize this, but, you know, right down the, uh, the street from where you are, I believe, at the JFK Federal Building uh, in the Reagan administration, I was the regional director of the U.S. Department of Labor as a White House appointee. So I have, I have about six or eight years in, uh, in background in Labor Department issues, particularly on the federal level. And I came within a hair's breadth of becoming Secretary of uh, Labor back when Governor Well was elected, but due to a number of other things, next thing you know, I was heading up the uh, management Info- Office, of, Office of Management Information Systems and then made myself CIO and got appointed by Governor Well back in the mid-90s. So, huh. inter- interesting turn of events. So, I, I know a lot about your organization. <laughs> and I, in fact, I was just curious because you Massachusetts has that organizational setup where the Job Training and Partnership Act, I think, is administered by the Economic Development Department when I was there. It wasn't labor. It has changed among the years, yes. So way back when, uh, when you knew this organization, yes, the Department of Career Services was under a different secretariat altogether. Mm -hmm. Probably about four to five years ago, if not longer. We took the Department of Career Services, among with other labor-related activities, all under that one umbrella of Executive Office of Labor and Workforce Development. Okay, so it's it's it uh, yep. resides there now. That makes yep. sense. It, it does. Yeah. Anything you know, we're, we're trying to make it, you know, from a constituent services point of view, it's really the what we want to classify it now as road to reemployment. All right. So when we have people that are unemployed, how fast and what do we have to do to get them back into the workforce? Uh-huh. So it makes sense to have the two of them under the one umbrella. Mm-hmm. We can yeah, help them with, you know, where were they? Where were they coming from? Right. And what sort of activities do they need looking for a job? Is it resume? Is it training? Is it skill sets? All that capability while you're unemployed, we can help you retrain you and get you into the job force. Mm-hmm. As you know, the country's been deluged by the surge in, in unemployment due to the, uh, the pandemic. And I believe the May unemployment report, which is expected to be released at the end of the week, 
it's expected to show that the nation's unemployment is edged up to about 20%, mm -hmm. including, I think, almost uh, a million in the Massachusetts who have filed uh, for unemployment during the pandemic. Uh, this surge, of course, has placed an enormous strain on state UI systems in California to New Jersey and many in between. I, in fact, I have not seen any state that doesn't seem to have a problem except uh, the jewel here of Massachusetts. So I was very curious to hear, hear more about it. And uh, that's why I contacted you folks and wanted to hear about just, uh, you know, that you did something about it. You didn't wait to, you didn't get caught with your proverbial pants down here. This is, uh, you took action, your organization took action uh, a few years back. Tell us how that situation developed and what was the uh, genesis to start modernizing your UI system? Sure. Um, actually, the effort was maybe about three years ago. You know, like many state um, infrastructure and applications and, and being a contractor in, in the Commonwealth prior, you see things that are what I call build and forget. So the infrastructure gets stale, the application support gets stale, um, but there's a lot of changes being made to the, to the application from a business tier. So about three years ago, we've noticed that we had to invest a lot of money in the infrastructure, Oracle upgrades, hardware upgrades, you name it. And a decision was, a joint decision actually was made between the Executive Office of Labor and um, Executive Office of Technology Services to go to the cloud. So we took the effort then to go to AWS um, cloud. We did a modernization effort of the application to all brand new running OS, Oracle RDS backend, elastic load balancing capabilities, whatever functionality and, and technology that we could do uh, from an infrastructure point of view to make our system more modern and reliable. Let me ask you this. One of the areas that I've been uh, researching has been the issue of federal funds. Uh, mm -hmm. I was very familiar as CIO about how many of our uh, major uh, computer systems, computer applications were actually funded specifically uh, by the federal government in the social services area. Things like uh, welfare eligibility, yeah. child support systems, child welfare systems. They all came with a big chunk of money from the feds to actually develop the systems. But apparently, I'd learned that the uh, Department of Labor was not, uh, did not have the same type of a, a tool for states. So how did you get the funding for your uh, modernization effort in Massachusetts? The funding effort was actually uh, state money. You're right. There is no federal money to do infrastructure. All of the Department of Labor federal money that we received is business programs and business grants. So, you know, we have to basically carve out some state funding to do this infrastructure work. Going forward, we're now tapping into all of those Fed grants to do a, you know, a 10% cut off the top for operational and technology improvements for each year. But back then, we had no budget. So we went to ANF, our financial arm at the state basically told them the problems that we were facing and the cost of it. And everybody agreed that this was the right choice to go. Mm -hmm. Was it part of that, uh, the famous IT bond that uh, Massachusetts is so uh, famous for? Yes, it was. No yep. kidding. Absolutely. 
It's covered a multitude of sins over the years, going back a generation. I want to tell you, it was a wonderful it, bucket to have. It's a great bucket to have. And then, you know, now at this time to look at, you know, where is that going forward for the future years as well? Yeah, because I, um, obviously that was back in the uh, early to mid nineties when I was in Massachusetts. And one of the things that uh, I was so surprised at when I first learned about it was the fact that it, really hasn't been replicated anywhere else. It's kind of stands alone. Uh, one or two states, I think, tried to get into it, but uh, never really, never lasted. But uh, see, the IT bond in California, Kurt was telling me when I had him on the show a couple of months ago, uh, I guess it's, uh, geez, that's like 30 years old and, and going. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. Um, we're going to take a short break now. Our guest today is Anthony Fantasia, Chief Information Officer for the Executive Office of Labor and Workforce Development at the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. You're listening to Ask the CIO SLED Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Every day, Doctors Without Borders teams confront hard facts in conflict and crisis zones. When others might look away, we step in to act. Because measles still kills more than 100,000 children every year. We're there to vaccinate over a million worldwide including those affected by the current outbreak in Democratic Republic of Congo. Because half of all maternal deaths occur during delivery or within 24 hours, we've assisted more than 1.4 million births around the world, including care for new mothers in Afghanistan. Because some countries only have one or two mental health professionals, we offer counseling and clinical care, providing over 400,000 mental health consultations worldwide last year including care for migrants and refugees on the dangerous journey north from Central America. The fact is, your acts of care and compassion make our life-saving work possible. Picture the impact we can have together. DoctorsWithoutBorders.org What is the greatest gift you can give the world? The gift of hope. Trees for the Future has a sustainable solution to hunger, poverty, and bettering the planet. Through Trees for the Future's regenerative agricultural method, the Forest Garden Approach, they teach impoverished farmers in developing countries how to plant themselves out of poverty by creating thriving ecosystems made up of over 60 species of trees and over 30 varieties of fruits and vegetables. Farmers can maximize crop yields to provide consistent income and nutrition for their families. In the last 30 years, tens of millions of trees have been planted and thousands of farmers have successfully revitalized their degraded land. When you give, you give hope for our planet and its people. Find out how to plant seeds of hope this season at trees.org radio. That's trees.org radio. A tree can change a life. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Anthony Fantasia, Chief Information Officer for the Executive Office of Labor and Workforce Development in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Tony, we were just talking about the source of funding for your modernization efforts of the Commonwealth's unemployment insurance system and the fact that you actually use state funds, including the IT bond, to finance it because labor, the U.S. Department of Labor, unlike some of the health and human service agencies and other social service agencies in the federal government, don't specifically fund IT projects directly like they do. Uh, 
Tell us about the procurement itself and the contract award. How did that work out? So the, the, the procurement effort was actually a joint uh, effort between uh, EOT's team and ourselves between uh, an AWS cloud native uh, solution. So at the time we were looking at a cloud solution, you know, there were multiple ones getting started. Mm -hmm. uh, AWS obviously was the leader in, in the space from a federally funded uh, FedRAMP, you know, moderate solution. Microsoft Cloud was not there yet. You know, Google wasn't you know, up to speed. Uh, Oracle Cloud wasn't there. So really the only choice was the Amazon Cloud. And it actually offered a lot of solutions for us out of the box. You know, like I said, it, it is FedRAMP moderate in its uh, East Coast so offering that we're in. And if we needed more secure IRS type governance, we had the AWS GovCloud offering as well. So it gave us that opportunity to go right there. Can you give us some idea of the uh, value of the project? How well was the total cost for the Commonwealth? I believe the initial setup project um, was about a two-year effort. Um, I'm trying to remember the actual cost, but I think it was somewhere around the five to six million dollar line in the two years. That doesn't sound too bad. No, it really yeah. wasn't. I mean, a lot of it had to do with, like I said, it was a lift and shift. It wasn't a lot of a redesigning effort, so which kind of kept our cost to a, a minimal effort. Yeah, that's interesting. I was actually going to ask you about that. Was there a lot of uh, business process re-engineering, or you just kind of trying to replicate what was done with modern technology? So it sounds like. Yes, we 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 try, we wanted to keep. There was so much, you know, legacy application code, and instead of rewriting all of that, it's like, what was the best way to keep the application functional, but yet keep it in a scalable, more modern infrastructure? So, tell us about the application that was implemented. How did it? Uh, how did the implementation go? The application. Uh, it took us about a good year to actually retest it, recertify it um, for the cloud. Um, there's a lot of interactions between, you know, our legacy UI system that was used to be on premise with a department of revenue um, that's here in Massachusetts for the feeds there, other agencies that were acquiring data to and from DOA. So we had a lot of, the, and as well as our external partners like the bank and the Department of Labor's uh, Icon Hub for SSA verification. So we did most of our testing and, and duration was really on testing those inter uh, interchanges back and forth on a data validity point of view, making sure that we could set up the right secure methods for access, making sure the changes there were actually from a client side as well as from a external partner, making sure all that activity was there safe and secure. Now, uh, your, your work with AWS, would this be considered a public or a private cloud that you're using? This is a public cloud. Um, this is their uh, public East domain. It's on a FedRAMP moderate solution. Uh, we have our own private account, VPC, within there. But otherwise, it's basically on their um, public cloud environment. Mm -hmm. And how did the implementation itself go? Were there any hiccups along the way or lessons learned? Or what could you tell us about that? Where do I start? Um, there were not a lot of problems. There was just a lot of learning opportunities as we went forward. Obviously, we get data from the IRS and from the Social Security Administration, right? So following their guidelines early to ensure that we met the 
proper calls to paperwork, the requirements that we were moving from an on-premise data set to the cloud. They had some verification. They had their own testing. They wanted to do, you know, the old-fashioned on-site audit, um, trying to convince them that uh, we can't tell you the location of the AWS <laughs> data center. Uh, um, so it took even the IRS and the SSA some convincing to understand what the cloud data center was really all about. Interesting. You think with the, you know, with so much cloud talk around the federal government that they would be used to that, but uh, maybe they're used to looking at the state systems rather than their own. Correct. And that's, that's what we found out because, you know, you, we, we talked to our AWS partners and sure enough, you know, there is a, a lot of federal solutions that are in the AWS environment, but the people who were managing and auditing state solutions, they were still concerning states to be legacy controlled, you know, brick and mortar data centers. Mm -hmm. So how, how did the surge of UI claims in Massachusetts affect the systems? Would, there must have been uh, it must have been interesting to watch, particularly as you could eavesdrop on some of your uh, partner states around the country that were uh, going bananas. Uh, it was indeed very interesting. Um, you know, we, one of the things we did not take advantage of is the auto scaling capability. So uh, what we had to do was we had to spin up clone hardware, right? Uh, web app uh, instances. And we just literally were watching the system 24 by seven the first week to see where and what we had to do. Uh, we, we used to be running a three web and a three app infrastructure. Uh, we were actually, by the end of the first week, we were running um, 12 web and 12 app um, just to handle that initial surge in volume. And that's been the case since. Um, so it's just, you know, by, by the tools, you know, we use Splunk, we use CloudWatch, we use New Relic APM monitoring. People who are from our AWS partners to our application team to the infrastructure support team that, that reports to me directly. It's, you know, looking at it on a constant basis, figuring out, oh, this is where our bottleneck is. And without it going down, how can we quickly spin and, and adjust something to the fly? You know, we even had to scale our database RDS instance to, you know, two to three times the sizing that it was before from a, from a moderate type Oracle instance to now more of a high memory, high CPU to handle that transaction load. I would think that even with the uh, new modernized system that the surge has probably provided some interesting experience and what changes uh, do you think have to be made or are you sitting pretty? From an infrastructure point of view, right now we've been uh, we've been sitting pretty, right? Everything's been working fine. We have we're now looking at it from a real application point of view. Obviously, the, the surge of unemployment unemployment is a very manual process from a business point of view because you have to review the claims, you have to make sure it's the right person that's filing. So it's a very manual review process, and we're trying to look at back office solutions that can help our business with some automation efforts. Yeah, I would think with all the discussions of uh, AI and machine learning and all that, that that would lend itself to uh, something as back office intensive as uh, unemployment insurance. Correct, and that's what we're looking at. We're looking at some of the various RPA tools that are out there and seeing how we can leverage them for 
you know, some, some of the workflow that the business needs to evaluate. Like other states, I saw where Massachusetts has been hit with the organized crime syndicates filing fraudulent unemployment claims across the country. Is that, uh, how has that impacted the Commonwealth and what are you guys doing about that? It definitely has impacted us. Um, our pandemic uh, situation here in Massachusetts is no different than anybody else right now. Um, across the country, everybody's being hit by the same ring of fraud activity. Uh, we're working with the FBI and state police, um, data analytics experts, massaging the data, analyzing the data to determine what has to be done. Mm -hmm. doing, you know, something that we've never done before, which is that to what we call, you know, blacklisting or SSNs. Before the system, like I said, it was a manual process. Now we just, once we hear of an SSN as falsely being, creating a claim, whether it's in the pandemic system, regular UI system, or across from a different state, uh, our program integrity team updates a blacklist file and therefore puts an immediate stop on the claim and any other processing for that claim. Mm -hmm. We've only got a minute or so uh, left, Tony. What advice do you have for other states about pursuing uh, UI monetization efforts like Massachusetts did? I guess the biggest key is um, whether it's just, you know, lift and shift from a technology, um, but don't be afraid. Um, we, we took the effort to not only modernize our infrastructure for uh, UI online, but we're also now modernizing our call center. We're changing the way we think about doing business. And the advantage of doing something in a cloud solution is literally that if you don't like it, you can do it all over again. Right? <laughs> That's right. Tear it down and go over again. Uh -huh. um, you know, it's, it's, they're not your, it's the, the servers and the infrastructure are not your children, they're, they're, they're cattle. Right. So are you getting uh, inquiries from other states about your efforts yet, or is that probably a little bit down the line? People are probably just scrambling to get their act together. No, we, we have spoken with the different, many different states. Yeah, good for you. Yep. I would think they'd want to learn. How about the Department of Labor? They've been interested, the federal folks? We do a partnership with uh, an organization called NASWA, mm -hmm. out of the Department of Labor. So we've been talking with them and helping other states um, in their modernization effort, lessons learned. They're talking to us about different tool sets that we've used as well, getting applications in an R AWS native RDS platform versus, you know, maintaining and, and controlling your own database. Mm -hmm. point of view. So there's a lot of collaboration between us, the states, and at the federal government level. Well, very good, Tony. With that, we're going to have to conclude our program today. I want to thank our guests. Anthony Fantasia, Chief Information Officer for the Executive Office of Labor and Workforce Development for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Tony, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure talking to you. And thank all of you for listening. Content from the state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly. Another more esteemed office is part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.